0: Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this second episode of Reaching the Unchurched, 12 Dynamics for Impact. First of all, if you were wondering in the first episode, when are we going to get to the dynamics? You'll be happy because we're going to start with that in the first dynamic right now. However, I want to talk first a little bit about humility. Not false humility, but genuine humility. You know, one of the aspects of Jesus riding on Palm Sunday, as we call it now, into Jerusalem on a donkey certainly not the chariot of a king, but the expression of humility. And humility is, a, is an interesting characteristic because the first time you want to boast about how humble you are, you've lost it, <laughs> really. And yet, I believe that there's a key connection between genuine humility and your ability to learn. Humility is a dimension that demonstrates that you are teachable. I would guess, if you're willing to listen to a podcast, you're probably somewhat teachable. And that's a good thing, because as much as I just am passionate about helping Christians and churches, and everybody on our staff at Church Doctors is that way, we're all passionate about helping churches become more effective to reach lost people. But one of the things that we can't do is we can't help people that aren't hungry, that aren't teachable, that aren't humble. It's not a judgment kind of thing. We're not looking down on anybody or considering them a less worthy person. It's just that humility is a key part of the Spirit of God. In people, and it does have an impact or reflection of how teachable people are. And uh, it's great to listen to podcasts and read books. And I'm grateful for my, you know, blessing that I can, through books and teaching, have a little impact on people. But the people that really get the most out of it are those that are teachable, and those that are not just curious, but on a much deeper level, have a stronger will to action beyond learning. In other words, it's not an academic event, but more of a transformative passion. I want to be transformed. And I live with that passion. People say, oh, you've learned a lot, you've been a lot of degrees after your name. (laughs) I will never stop learning till the day I die. I I just don't consider myself that knowledgeable. I just want to learn the next thing. That's where I spend all my energy. And I believe that's just sort of a, a posture that Jesus would have for people that he calls disciples. So dynamic number one, and the reason I preface that, is that this is a challenge, and I know it is. But dynamic number one is get help from the outside, from anybody, somebody that knows what they're doing. Whoever you feel comfortable with, get help from the outside because I know you've probably heard the saying, I can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes you're too close to things to really get it. And when someone who is trained and equipped to help you see things that you can't see, maybe because you're too close to them, Or maybe it's not part of your experiential base or whatever the issue is. It doesn't really matter. But someone like that can, with fresh eyes, come into a church and into your life as a member of a church, as a leader of a church, and see things that were right under your nose and you just say, oh, yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, that makes sense. This happens often when I go to the doctor. I remember right after I got my PhD, I thought I knew something, which I'm glad I got over that. But it was just a short time after that. I was a young pastor, so it didn't take very long. I got a good dose of humility that way, which I needed, to be honest. But I remember I went to the doctor, and I had a pain on the right side of my lower belly. And I I just, you know, I said to the doctor, I said, "I, I, I have a pain right here. I've had it for a while. I think I may have appendicitis. I'm not that kind of a doctor. I got a doctor by my name, but, you know, how stupid can you be? I mean, come on. I'm talking about myself. Anyway, so I did that, and the doctor didn't say a thing, just stuck a thermometer in my mouth. And that day, I realized there are actually two purposes of a thermometer, and only one of them is to take your temperature. <laughs> yeah, the other one is to shut your mouth. They don't want to hear your, your ideas. Why would you be there? Why would you be at the doctor if you think you know what you got? You know, just check yourself in a hospital and order surgery. Stupid thing to do. Anyway, I learned my lesson, and I'm sharing it because I've never forgotten it, and I don't want to ever forget it, and I'm happy to share my humiliation because that's part of humility. And so I want to encourage you to get help from the outside. Go through a church assessment. You know, smart people get a physical once in a while smart churches have a a spiritual once in a while. You know, the body of Christ, complex organism, really complex, as as complex as a human body. I think that's why the Bible calls it, among other things, the body of Christ. It is an extremely complex. And just because I was a pastor and even had a doctorate, I was not an expert in my own church. So, I want to encourage you, whether it be someone like church doctors or somebody else, pray about, just humble yourself and pray about, are you willing, do you you love your church so much, do you love the body so much, and I know there are people that don't love their own body so much, they never get a physical, never go to a doctor, and they die early, so do churches, lots of them. They decline, people look the other way, they pretend like, well, you know, this will change, this will turn around. It's only been 15, 20 years, and people are just 15, 20 years older, and now yeah, a lot of gray hair, a lot more funerals, a lot less baptisms, a lot less babies, yeah. Less people in Sunday school at early age, yeah. I don't mean to be unkind. And it's not a commercial. Go to anybody that you think is really going to help you, but make sure you do your homework because there are a lot of people out there that are, are not thorough and have not done this long enough and with enough people, with enough churches, and there's a lot at risk. The body of Christ is so precious. Do your homework. And even if you're thinking about church doctor, do your homework. Check people's references. Look at past churches they've helped. Talk to the people there. Ask them if they were really satisfied. Was it worth the effort? Was it worth the money? Was it worth the time? Whatever you do, just get help from the outside. Any humble, smart, intelligent person that has a heart for God in the church needs to do that right now. Because we have a world that has changed so much. And I don't know any pastors from any branch of the 78 church bodies that we've worked with. None of those pastors would say that they were equipped for the world that we live in. Some have learned on their own and are a little bit ahead of others, but it's a systemic issue. Most pastors are trained to manage Christians, and if you really declared you wanted to be a missionary, you'd go to mission school after seminary or Bible college. So find somebody, check them out, check out others, find the most thorough and in-depth assessment process you can find. Make sure they do analysis, surveys of the people in church, not just a few leaders, but from the grassroots as well as the leaders. Interviews, one-on-one, confidential, good listening people that will listen to those people. And make sure they look at all your church documents. And make sure there are people that make recommendations and, and, and give you the complete freedom to accept or reject any of those recommendations. Make sure you have someone that says right from the outset, we don't have all the answers, but we're going to do our very most thorough, prayerful best to help you. Make sure they fit that criteria. And also, don't worry about the finances. Don't think about taking it out of the church budget, even if you have some endowment or something like that get people involved to help pay for it. Why? Because of the ownership they'll have on the recommendations. If you have some kind of outfit that wants to come in and you've got the money and they're not going to ask you to encourage many people to invest in it in the church at whatever level they're able to above and beyond their own support of the church, if they don't have that kind of mentality, then they don't understand the movement part of church and they don't understand the dynamics of change. So cross them off your list. So get someone who also will measure the readiness of your church for an awakening. An awakening is a word used in Christianity for years in missiology. Before there's a revival in the land, there's an awakening in the church. It's like a wake-up call. And perhaps you've heard me say that before. But just as a reminder, you want someone who could measure where you are in God's movement and in the hearts of the people for an awakening. That is key right now. And recognize that this is a season of high receptivity in a couple of ways. Number one, people in churches are wondering if the church can make an impact on the nation. And they're desperately concerned that the answer might be no, and it isn't. It is yes. Number two, non-church people, particularly in America here, are much more receptive than anyone would believe. Here's an example, and we, we encourage people to do this in churches that we work with. We call it the waiter-waitress ministry, and maybe you've done this a little bit yourself, maybe not. You go into a restaurant, before you order the food, you get the menus, you talk to the waiter or waitress, and you ask them their first name. Then when they bring the food, you just simply say, Joe, we're going to pray for our food here, that's what we do at home, and that's what we're going to do here. Um, anything we can pray for you, Joe, anything at all. And we've got, I don't know, maybe 4,000 now people that have done that with, I mean, with 4,000 waiters and waitresses. We're running 98% of the waiters and waitresses will uh, give you something very personal to pray for. Now, it's nice to pray for people. I mean, it's a God thing to do, and it's a good thing to do. You're not going to probably see that person, disciple them, or get them to your church or whatever, but you could plant a seed. But the main reason we do this is we want Christians to learn that people out there at their place of work think about this at their place of work, they don't know who you are. This is minimal, minimal acceptance. At their place of work, having a stranger ask them if they can pray for them, giving you something very personal in their lives, and sometimes you'll be shocked at what they'll share. Be ready. And also knowing that they have other wait staff that are working and know them. And there's always, they don't know, they can't look around, look real quick. They don't know, maybe someone will overhear what you ask them. And overhear, they don't know how how loud you're going to pray. Overhear what you pray, which you're not going to pray loud. But they don't know that. You think about all those negative factors and you will be amazed at how many people We'll give you something to pray for. I'm telling you, we are in a receptive window of opportunity right now. And that's just one of many litmus tests that we do to prove that. We have waiters and waitresses. The first thing they say is, oh, I'm an atheist. And the answer to that is, oh, that's okay. Anything we can pray for you anyway? And they give you something very personal to pray for. It's unbelievable. I had a waiter who was gay. And clearly, in the way that he was talking, didn't know a lot about church, didn't know a lot about anything that is in the spiritual realm. And uh, that was okay. His name was Jojo. I asked him his name, Jojo. And I said, anything anything we can pray for you? And he says, I don't even pray for myself. And he kind of laughed it off. He turned around, walked about four steps, turned around, again, came back to the table and said, "Um, would you pray for my dad? He's in the hospital right now. I said, sure. What's his name? He told me his name. I said, yeah, yeah. I'd be glad to pray for him. Was we pray for this food? And JoJo walked about eight steps, turned around, and kind of bowed his head. Didn't fold his hands, but bowed his head a little bit. And as he stood there, his between his hips were three inches from a guy at a table on his right and a guy at a table on his left. But he's looking at us. And while we prayed, he just stood there. I never saw him. St- Stand still the rest of that evening. The guy's moving. It was a busy place. Don't cut God short, and don't get convinced by the media that this nation doesn't give a rip about spiritual matters, because that's a lie. So all that's to say, consider challenging those in your church and maybe yourself to try an intervention ministry to come in to can see the forest and the trees and all that other stuff in between. And consider the opportunity that this might be a window of great opportunity for a harvest if there can be some adaptive strategies that your church can learn and grow. And it will take a little time and be part of the solution rather than being caught in the depression of a declining church. Dynamic number one, get help. Exercise your humility. Dynamic number two. Train yourself and others at your church to focus on where God is working, moving, and blessing. You get bombarded by all the signs of where God is not working and people that are not interested, but focus on where God is working, moving, and blessing. Instead of thinking about having someone come into your church and wondering, oh, they're going to hang out all our dirty laundry. Instead, think about how, if they're the right people, they're going to look at where God is working, moving, and blessing, and they're going to tell you to focus your energies there. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 5, 19? I bet the disciples just scratched their heads. He said, yeah, I only do what I see the Father doing. Well, that's the idea. Do what you see the Father doing. See what you see God doing see where God in your church and in your ministry is working and moving and blessing. And if you have the right person come in and do an assessment of your church and consult your church and make recommendations, they better know what those things are and they better focus on those things. And they ought to, in some of your areas of concern, just tell you to forget about it. Don't spend your energy on what's not working. And they ought to quote John 5:19. And whether you have someone come in or not, make that one of your modus operandi, one of the ways you operate. It is of great value to you and your church to know from an objective assessment what your strengths are, what is moving, where God is moving, and where he's working, and where he's blessing. And that assessment process does that, no matter where it comes from. And make sure that you look at recommendations based on your unique strengths, because every church Is totally different. So, as you wrestle with this issue of an assessment process, there are times of fear. I know because we've had people come in and consult our ministry. I've had our board hire a consultant to have a big conversation with me when I led the ministry. I've now turned the ministry over to my successor but I'm still part of the ministry every day. But I was in the hot seat there for a long time. There were times where we would call in a consultant. And I know what it's like to be a little nervous. And that's okay. I would basically think there's something wrong with you if you weren't a little nervous. But think of the greater good and ask God for the peace of mind, that person you're going to get very carefully. Make sure you're comfortable with them. And if you're not, Ask for somebody else, either from the same organization or another organization that helps churches and has a reputation to help churches. But talk to your people, your leaders. Now, when you talk to business people that are on your leadership group or in your church, there are going to be some who say, oh, yeah, we had a consultant come into our business and it was awful. It was a waste of money. For one thing, you need to remind them that in ministry areas, the amount of money isn't anywhere even in the same universe that it is in the business world that those consultants charge. Or if you find a church consultant that does, don't even look at them. They're business people, not ministry people. But there'll be other business people that have had a really positive experience. And don't scratch the idea of having an outsider come in just because a business person had a bad experience. Because... The bad experience they had was the person that came or the company they used, not the concept of the value of someone coming with a clear slate. And the other side of that slate, lots of other slates that they've looked at. And I'll tell you, this is absolutely certain. After a few thousand churches... If you are a person of humility as a consultant, you have helped every one of those churches learn and adapt to some great things. And you have learned and grown from every single experience you've had as someone who assesses and consults churches. That'd be a good question to ask someone, because if they say, yeah, sometimes, then They're not the person who's hungry to learn. And so the more experienced and the more depth, not only does that demonstrate value of their work, but it also adds to how much they have learned if and only if they have a posture, an attitude of a learner. And so you benefit from that. And so you'll get a mixed review from other people in other disciplines in the business world or wherever about this whole idea of having an outsider come in. But just think about it and pray about it. Whoever you are, whether you're a leader of a church or whether you're the pastor of a church, whether you're on staff, whatever your role, even as a member of the church, you have a lot of stake in your church. You have invested a lot of time, money, energy, and emotion in your church even if you haven't been there very long more than that jesus has invested a lot in your church he has invested his life not only in you and your fellow members of your church but in your church jesus is the head of his body the church and he sacrificed everything his humility to even come to earth as a son of God, being both God and man, and walking the dusty trails, and feeling pain, and rejection, and all of that. He's paid the ultimate price that the church might thrive and be healthy. And he's given his Holy Spirit to dwell in you among the people of your church, in your church, to be there. And there are some roadblocks, because we're humans, that just come along in the church, that are sometimes realized, sometimes you got your finger on it, sometimes you don't. Most of the time, we we even have blinders to some of the the, the things that happen that, that roadblock our church. And you can't well know what you don't know. And if you haven't been somewhere where you'd learn that, then nobody blames you for that but nobody blame you either. In fact, they admire you to get some help. And finally, I want to say that with all my heart, this is not a commercial for Church Doctor Ministries. This is a plea for the kingdom of God. This is a passion I have for your church, whether I ever meet you or one of our other consultants ever meets you or not. This is Jesus' passion for lost people in your community that are not being reached because you, as a church, do not have the strategies for a new world that is a lot different than the one that you were trained for and the one when you started your path in Christianity, whenever that was. It is dramatically every day becoming more like a pagan mission field. And that requires adaptive leaders with adaptive strategies. That is the right motive to do whatever you do, wherever you go. So pray about it. Don't let the church go down the toilet because of false arrogance. All of us need help at some time. The smart people, The wise people, the humble people, get help. So, dynamic number one, get help. There's help out there. Get help. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.